Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part five of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, about how to suit up for spiritual warfare. In the spiritual warfare category, the biggest thing that's really on display outside of the intercessory thing that I just put before you is the idea of temptation. The enemy is a tempter, and he uses the world system to appeal to the lust of our flesh, things that you know, would be, in this case, illegitimate. Remember, we looked at Romans 13. It says, make no provision for your flesh in regard to what? It's lust, not your legitimate needs. You need food, you need water, you need love, you need sexual intimacy if you don't have the gift of singleness in the context of marriage, blessed by God, beautiful and right in that right setting. But, but when you have illegitimate lusts of the flesh, you are not to make any provision for them. And one of the things that you need to do not to make a provision for the lust of your flesh is to put on God's provision to put on the full armor of God that you might be able to take your stand. See, here's an encouragement for you. This is verse 17. It says, and the world is passing away. Everything that looks so pretty now and also its lusts, which are inherent in what it uh, provides to people. But the one who does the will of God, what happens? He abides forever. So this is the battle. Now go to, all the way to the Gospel of John for a second. And I had mentioned to you that in the first four years of my Christian walk, I, I have to confess that I struggled mightily with many sins that I carried into that relationship with Christ. And one at a time, God was confronting me about those sins. And I had heard Christian people talk about the abundant life. <laughs> and I was thinking, if this is the abundant life, uh, I don't get it, right? Because people were talking about this overflowing life. And, and I found something in John 10.10 10 that explained the, the battle. And it's just in one verse, but take a look at it with me. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly or have it to the full. See, there's two halves of the verse we normally talk about the abundant life, but we don't often talk about the first half of John 10, verse 10. It says, there's a thief, and what does he come to do? He comes only, this is his sole purpose, to steal and kill and destroy. But by contrast, Jesus says, I came that they might have life, here, true life, eternal life, and might have it abundantly, or might have it to the full, or might have it overflowing. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So here's the question. Are you experiencing the abundant life? Is it possible to have an abundant life in Christ? Yes. Jesus says that's why he came, to provide you an abundant life. He wants to bless you. And I mentioned to you that armor is really for one thing. And what is the one thing armor is for? It's for protection. He wants to bless you. He wants to keep you supported and protected and keep you blessed and overflowing in your Christian life. This is why God has provided the armor to his people. So return, if you would, to Ephesians chapter six, and we're gonna jump in to the armor, but before we do, 
we'll talk about a few things that we closed with last week. And we'll only look at the belt of truth tonight. But let's go back to verse 12 because I just touched on this last time. In Ephesians 6.12, it says, for our struggle. Uh, Paul doesn't say my struggle. He doesn't say your struggle. He says what? Our struggle. Now, I had mentioned the army imagery and that we're all on the battle together. So this is our struggle. And we ended last week and I said to you, it would be good for us all to just confess right now that the Christian life is a struggle. I I don't hesitate saying that because that's what my Bible just said. (laughs) It's our struggle. Now, what kind of struggle is it? Well, I mentioned that the Greek word for struggle here has the idea of wrestling. It it is uh, a word that speaks of mano e mano. It's kind of hand-to-hand combat in that sense, breath against breath, face against face kind of combat. That's the imagery that's coming up here. But it is our struggle, so we don't have to do it alone. And of course, ultimately, we we have God, and that's all we need. But it's our struggle, and it's not against flesh and blood. Now, sometimes when I read that, I mentioned to you last time, I say, Paul, are you sure? Because <laughs> flesh and blood, blood is people. And it sure seems that most of my struggles are with people, right? I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I sense the spiritual battle a little bit more intensely, maybe like you do. But for the most part, most of my problems seem to be with people. <laughs> Why is that? Well, because in the battle, we, we understand that it does flow through people. Now, even though we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, the enemy is coercing, we just read it, the world. Well, who's the world? It's the people in the world. It's the world system, but it filters down to the people. So what are we battling? We're battling immorality. We're battling people's weird ideas. We're battling evolution. We're battling, battling false religion. But the source of these things, and here's where you have to understand and where it transitions now, is ultimately coming from the system that the enemy, the devil, is behind. In other words, see, he, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 4.1 that there are doctrines of what? Demons. You see, deception is at its best when it sounds religious. And so you have people who don suits and they may even walk around with a Bible. But they have twisted the scriptures to their own destruction. So we have to understand that, that what's happening here is the source behind the battle is Satan, but he uses the world and the people in it to twist things, to, to put ideas forward that are false and that somehow captivate people. They become pawns in satanic deception. I'll give you an example. Charles Taze Russell, the founder of Jehovah's Witnesses, was confused about the Trinity. He had some weird ideas about the pyramids in Egypt and the end times and stuff. Now, he became a pawn in satanic deception. Uh, If you think of the founding of Mormonism, you have Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith claimed that he got an appearance from an angel who told him where to go and find some golden plates. Do you see the kind of the, the nature of things here? Islam's beginning had some sort of angelic appearance. And uh, in that case, Muhammad thought it was a demon and his wife convinced him it was a good angel. So a lot of these beginnings of these particular thoughts and religious patterns, think of just uh, mythology and pagan religion and that kind of thing. Why were people drawn to paganism? Because paganism promised power. And 
not only that, it said that you could satisfy you know, your lusts in religious rites. Right. Hey, honey, I'm going to church. Right? Now, I don't, I don't want to use the word church there, but you know what I'm saying. I'm going to go be part of this religious thing, but this religious thing is corrupt to the bone. Most people that were, Paul was dealing with when he was walking around, he wasn't dealing with a ton of atheists. He was dealing with people who had false ideas about God or had false gods that they had entrusted themselves to. And Paul says an idol is nothing in the world, but if there's anything behind an idol, it is what? Demonic. So the enemy works this way. He works through people. He works through false ideas. He works through things that look good on the exterior. I was teaching a class down at the Bible College last night, and I said, I have never heard of Lucifer coming and introducing himself with his ID card, you know, and saying, hi, I'm Lucifer. I'd like to mess up your life. I'd like to mess up everything. You know, he doesn't do it that way. He, he, dis, he disguises himself, 2 Corinthians 11, as what? An angel of light, light bearer, Lucifer. This is what he does. This is why the battle is so important to understand that truth is one of your most important weapons. If you have the truth, you'll understand and be able to, to diagnose and discern lies. You see, our struggle, and it's ours together, is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. And I mentioned to you that light and darkness are found in Romans 13 where we began last week. Against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. If you want a good look at a behind-the-scenes look at spiritual warfare, read Daniel chapter 10. And you'll see the prince of Persia. And you'll see that it took 21 days for the message to come because he was being opposed and Michael had to get involved. And Michael's the prince over Israel. And there's some really interesting language in here that we seem to have some highly organized forces behind the veil. We have obviously the holy angels, but we have angels that are on Lucifer's side. They seem to be highly organized. They seem to be geographic and I mentioned to you last time we were together that there are places that we would call dark. Why are they dark? Why are some places darker than others? Because I think that the enemy has greater footholds in some places than others. Where there may be voodoo or spiritism or that kind of thing, openly practiced and more demonic possession and that kind of thing. And so since this is true, since this is the nature of the battle, Paul gives us an important word. He says, therefore... Take up, take up is another way of put on, another way of saying put on. You need to take it up. You have to do something with it. So you might want to circle that again just to remind yourself that you have to do something. Therefore, take up or put on the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. Some scholars believe the phrase the evil day may point to the time of the Antichrist. The evil day could be the abomination of desolation and the unfolding of end times events that you may be able to resist in that day. But there have been many antichrists that have gone out into the world. There will be an ultimate antichrist, but this could be a reference to being able to stand in the evil day. Are you with me? The day when he does his thing and reveals who he is and says, you got to take this mark and that kind of thing. So just just an interesting uh, side note there on that passage. 
It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, the full armor of God, that you may be able to resist in the evil day. Peter says, resist him firm in your faith in 1 Peter 5. Having done how much? Everything to stand firm. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Hey, Pastor Michael and the team really appreciate you listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to bring you the truth of God's Word and help you apply it to your life. To equip you when people in your community have questions, not to throw the truth in their faces, but to have an answer for the hope you have inside you. Would you please help us with something? Would you please reach out to us today to tell us how Walk in Truth has been a blessing to you? We have a church board, and they would love to hear from our listeners. They want to know how this ministry is reaching you. We would love to know how Pastor Michael's messages have helped you day to day, or even just this one time if you're a first-time listener. Please take a couple moments to either call us and leave us a message or email us. The number is 844-48-TRUTH or you can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. That's 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH or contact at walkintruth.com. And thank you so much and God bless. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. If you want a good look at a behind-the-scenes look at spiritual warfare, read Daniel chapter 10. And you'll see the prince of Persia. And you'll see that it took 21 days for the message to come because he was being opposed and Michael had to get involved. And Michael's the prince over Israel. And there's some really interesting language in here that we seem to have some highly organized forces behind the veil. We have obviously the holy angels, but we have angels that are on Lucifer's side. They seem to be highly organized. They seem to be geographic And I mentioned to you last time we were together that there are places that we would call dark. Why are they dark? Why are some places darker than others? Because I think that the enemy has greater footholds in some places than others. Where there may be voodoo or spiritism or that kind of thing, openly practiced and more demonic possession and that kind of thing. And so since this is true, since this is the nature of the battle, Paul gives us an important word. He says, therefore... Take up, take up is another way of put on, another way of saying put on. You need to take it up. You have to do something with it. So you might want to circle that again just to remind yourself that you have to do something. Therefore, take up or put on the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day. Some scholars believe the phrase the evil day may point to the time of the Antichrist. The evil day could be the abomination of desolation and the unfolding of end times events that you may be able to resist in that day. But there have been many antichrists that have gone out into the world. There will be an ultimate antichrist, but this could be a reference to being able to stand in the evil day. Are you with me? The day when he does his thing and reveals who he is and says, you got to take this mark and that kind of thing. 
So just, just an interesting uh, side note there on that passage. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, the full armor of God, that you may be able to resist in the evil day. Peter says, resist him firm in your faith in 1 Peter 5. Having done how much? Everything to stand firm. And so I ask my quest, myself a question. When I'm reading Bible verses, I sometimes say, am I doing everything? Now, I realize that in the flow of the context here, what the Bible's teaching us is that the provisions are there. Everything pertaining to life and godliness I have in Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. But am I doing everything to put on what God has provided? I think therein is the rub. Therein becomes the issue of your times in Bible study, your times in prayer, your times in fellowship. Your consistency in the things of God is how you appropriate what God has given you. So in other words, he's not going to force it on you. You've got to take it up. You've got to put it on. And when you do that, you'll be able to stand firm. The first piece of armor, the only one we will deal with tonight, is the belt of truth. And he says, stand firm, therefore. Notice that you have the idea of resisting. And now you have the idea of standing firm, which is at the end of verse 13 and repeated in verse 14. Stand firm. Don't back up. Don't back away. Don't run away. Stand your ground. Stand firm, Christian. Rise up, O men of God. Amen? That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, yeah, there's a battle, but take a stand. Stand firm. See, this is the issue that we really have when we mention the church, right? Whether or not someone's going to stand firm instead of being wishy-washy and backing up because there's a little pressure, right? So he says, look, I want you to stand firm. Therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, one of the ways that you stand firm is you've got to gird your loins. Now, do you ever say that to somebody that you love? Hey, did you gird your loins today? What are you talking about, man? You from Virginia? <laughs> or Carolina? What do you mean, gird your loins? That sounds really strange to us. Well, the idea of girding your loins has to do with putting on the belt. And it's just, a, it's just another way of saying securing the belt to your person. What should you gird your loins with? The first piece of the armor is truth. Now, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians, just a few books back. And Paul has been being attacked by the Corinthian super apostles and naysayers. They've attacked him up and down, one side and the other. They attack the way he looks. They attack the way he speaks. They attack just about everything about Paul. And uh, they say he's not eloquent. They say he doesn't have apostolic authority. And on and on and on it goes. And Paul's been uh, being beat up. And so there are, there, are, there are some in the Corinthian congregation that have repented, but others who are still claiming that the church is theirs and they're super apostles. And so Paul says these words. He says in verse 3, and this is 2 Corinthians 10, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 10. <clears throat> Let's go back to verse 2. He says, I ask that when I am present, I may not be bold with confidence with which 
I propose to be courageous against some, and here I think is the false teachers opposing Paul, who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. Now, what they said about Paul in essence just quickly is, there's no way the Holy Spirit can be in Paul's ministry. He goes into towns and he gets beat up. He goes into other towns and he gets stoned. He gets on ships and he becomes shipwrecked. He goes into prisons and he gets flogged. He's left for dead here, hated there. People aren't eating food until he's dead. How can the Holy Spirit be on that guy's ministry? And then when he walks into town, historically, the best description we have of Paul from tradition is he's about five foot one. His knees are bowed. He has very little hair on top. He has a unibrow, and I'm not joking around when I say this is the description of Paul. And he may have runny eyes. The great apostle Paul in the pulpit. Everybody say, amen. That's Paul? You gotta be kidding me. You know, he's bears in his body, the brand marks of Christ. He's got scars all over his body. He's been beaten with rods. He's been beaten with whips. This guy has been, he's gone through the whirlwind. And they say, hey, that guy walks according to the flesh. Look at him. Have you ever listened to somebody on the radio for years and then you finally get to see them and they are never quite what you imagine them to be? Or maybe you talk to somebody on the telephone in business, right? And you, ha- you get this mental picture by their voice. They must look this way, right? And then you see them and you go, oh, no way. <laughs> and then they say something and you're like, that is you. Wow. That's weird, right? <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of how it was with Paul. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, okay, yeah, it's true, I'm a human, We do not war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare. Now we're not talking about armor. We're talking about weapons are not of the flesh, but notice divinely powerful. Think of the scriptures being breathed out by God. For what? For the destruction of fortresses. I think we could say safely that the only offensive weapon we have is the word of God or the truth of the word of God. And there there are weapons we have for our warfare, spiritual warfare. They're not of the flesh. They're divinely powerful. They're mighty through God. You've been listening to Suit Up for Spiritual Warfare, Part 5 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to learn more about Walk in Truth, our church, and the events and studies we have going on, then download our free Living Truth app in your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, what can we really attribute to spiritual warfare? There's got to be a balance because I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, we got to be careful that we don't see demons behind every tree or in every situation. Uh, If I'm having a tough time at work or at home or in my marriage, is it always spiritual warfare? Maybe not. It may well be, but it may not be. Is there always happening something happening behind the scenes? Well, I would say there is stuff happening behind the scenes. Does it always pertain to what I'm going through specifically? Probably not. So how can we discern the difference? Well, here's where we go back to the three categories, the world, the flesh, and the enemy. 
Sometimes it's my own flesh. Uh, I've met the enemy and it's me looking back at me in the mirror, right? I'm the cause of it. It's the lust of my flesh, the lust of my eyes, my pride, as First John chapter 2 talks about. Could be the world system, just fact, the fact that we're clashing against the pattern of this world and we don't have a, the same worldview. And then sometimes it can be demonic. And so that's the balance. Uh, is there always something demonic happening behind the scenes specifically pertaining to my situation? Not always, but sometimes. And when it is happening, whatever the category or the reason may be, the world, the flesh, or the devil— the response is still the same. We got to put on the armor of God so that we can deny the flesh, we can battle the enemy, or we can resist the influence of the world. Either way, whatever the origin may be, it is the same response. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be able to stand strong. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. Hey, it's exciting to be part of your day. Thank you for listening. Thank you for praying. We pray that this program is a blessing to you and that you're being better equipped to fight this good fight. Hey, if we can help you in any way, you can send prayer requests at walkintruth.com, walkintruth.com. Send us a prayer request. We'd love to pray for you. You can always reach out to us at 844-48-TRUTH if you need prayer. Uh, I have written a book on spiritual warfare. It's called Suit Up. It is available on Amazon, and it's also available if you give us a call at 844-48-TRUTH or even send us an email, walkintruth.com. God bless you. We will see you right here tomorrow for more on the spiritual armor and spiritual warfare. And join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching about spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.